today, I want to get right into the Word. If you have a Bible with you, turn to the book of Genesis, first book in your Bible, book of Genesis chapter 28, and we're going to get right into it. Today, I want to talk to you about being between a rock and a hard place. Anybody been there before? I hope you didn't look at your neighbors when I said that. <laughs> a rock and a hard place. You know, our world is, is fascinated with gaining access into other dimensions. We see it in, in Hollywood, played out on the silver screen, space shuttles going into black holes and, and coming out in some other far-reached galaxy in our universe that we've never discovered before. And you can look throughout human history and you can even read things like the Norse mythology of crossing the Bifrost, a, a rainbow bridge that separated Asgard from Midgard, from the heavenly realm to the earthly realm. And for some of you, that sounds familiar because you're an Avenger fan, and you're like, wait, didn't Thor cross the Bifrost? Yes, the same, the same bridge. And, and so we see that played out, or maybe some of you, you're a little more old school than that. And when you think about crossing into another dimension, you think of Captain Kirk saying, beam me up, Scotty, Right? And we would love that. I remember as a kid just thinking, like, how cool that would be to just teleport from one place to another place. Uh, even my daughters and I, we were watching a, a series this summer. Uh, it's a sci-fi show. And, and in the show, they, they, they find an ancient portal. And they, they go into this portal. And they come out into a planet that's never been seen, an inhabitable space inhabitable space nobody knows of before and it just reminded me even as I was watching that show that that throughout human history we've had this fascination with going beyond this fascination with being able to to see the unseen to know the unknown to be able to to teleport or, or translate or cross the bifrost or go through a wormhole or a black hole or whatever kind of pathway you find we want to get there and see the unseen and when I say it's something that's been a part of our culture for a long time, I don't mean Star Trek 1966. I mean a long time. In fact, as I was studying this out, I, I discovered that there's a word in Akkadian. That is, it's a dead language now, but in the Akkadian language, there's a word that is used in Mesopotamian mythology to describe what the messengers of God would travel on or travel through to pass from one realm to another. It's this mythological stairway that the Mesopotamians tried to construct a, a, a representation of. Maybe you've seen the images of the ziggurats. I have a picture of one, but they would, they would construct these incredible, incredible designs, and, and it was to symbolize that Akkadian word for being able to take messengers to and from the presence of the gods. Many scholars actually believe that the Tower of Babel was a ziggurat that they had built. So they said, we'll build a tower up to heaven. Well, that Akkadian word that describes a portal for the gods was actually translated into Hebrew, and it appears in the Bible. It, only once, though. Only one time do we get this word that describes the portal of the gods, and it's in Genesis chapter 28, and we're going to start reading in verse 12 about Jacob's ladder. Here's what it says. 
in verse 12, he had a dream, Jacob had a dream, in which he saw a stairway. Now there's that word. And because it's only one time, Salam in the Hebrew Bible, translators have a hard time with it. So some Bibles might say a ladder, some say a stairway, but here's the word. Jacob sees a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Now skip ahead to verse 16. It says, when, jo- when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely, the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid, and he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Jacob experienced an access point. He experienced a place that took him beyond what he could ever see or even conceive in his mind's eye. This moment, if you read his story, completely changed his outlook. How many of you would love to find that place? I mean, wouldn't it be awesome to know that there's a portal, that there's an access point, that everything you thought you couldn't do all of a sudden became possible. Your whole outlook on life changes because you discovered Jacob's Ladder. Well, where is that place? Well, let's look at the text, because I want to show you where to find it. And then we're going to do a missions trip later this year and go see. No, I'm kidding. Some of you are like, really? Let's go. I felt the spirit of Indiana Jones rising in the room right there. Like, what? Let's go. Verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba, and he set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night, because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and he lay down to sleep. Now, I want you to get that picture in your mind because I believe verse verse 11 here is emblematic of exactly what's happening in Jacob's life. Everything that's happening in the natural is, is symbolically shown here. He takes a stone from there, he puts it under his head, he lays down. Right before he discovers this portal this access place into a heavenly dimension. He lays down on the hard ground and he uses a stone for his pillow and he goes to sleep. And let me give you a little bit of the backstory in case you're not too familiar with Jacob. Many times in the word of God, God is introduced as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's grandfather, father, and son. But Jacob wasn't actually, by birth, supposed to be the recipient of that inheritance. He was not the firstborn. He had a brother named Esau, Jacob and Esau. Some of you remember that story that that Jacob deceived his brother out of his birthright because his brother was famished and starving, and he said, just give me some of that soup that you made. It smells amazing. And, And Jacob said, give me your birthright, and I'll give you soup. And Esau was frustrated, and he said something he shouldn't have said. And I know none of you can relate to that, but he said, what good is a birthright if I starve to death? And he gave him his birthright. And then later, their father Isaac, he was dying. The Bible says he was, his eyes were weak. He couldn't really see well. And he told Esau, his son, he said, I want you to go out and I want you to hunt some game. And I want you to come back and I want you to make some of that hunter stew that I love so much. And, and I'm going to eat it and I'm going to bless you. And while he's out in the field, Isaac's wife, Rebecca, tells her favorite son, Jacob, I want you to 
your brother's got hairy arms, so I want you to put some, some goat fur on your arms, and, and I'm going to make some soup out of the stuff I had left over in the kitchen. And while he's gone, you're going to take this in to feed your dad, and he's going to bless you. And that's exactly what happened. While Esau was away, Jacob stole his father's blessing, or at least he thought he did. And so Esau comes back. He's furious, as you can imagine. For the second time, he's been deceived by his brother. And he makes a vow he's going to murder his brother. So now Rebecca's like, look, i got to get my favorite son out of here. She tells Jacob, you need to go and you, li- you need to live with my brother, your uncle Laban. He lives about 500 miles away from here. And then she goes back to her husband, and, and again, she's, she's spinning the wheel here. And she says, you know, I, I'm so sick of these Canaanite women. I just can't see my son marrying one of them. You should send him back to my family to find a wife. And so Isaac does. He says to Jacob, he said, Jacob, here's what I want you to do, son. You've already got my blessing. Everything I have is going to be yours. But I want you to go all the way to your uncle Laban's house in Padam Aram. I want you to go all the way over there. He's 500 miles away. I want you to get you a wife, and then I want you to bring her back here, and I want you to marry her, and and you're going to be blessed. So Jacob says, okay, I would walk 500 miles, and I would walk 500 more just to be the man who walked 1,000 miles to fall down at your door. That's the story. And here he is on the journey, and he's only 50 miles into a 500-mile trek when he's tired. He lays down on the hard ground, and he uses a stone for a pillow. He's literally between a rock and a hard place. You ever been there? Ever been in a place where... You kind of destroyed what you had going for you, and you're not sure about what tomorrow holds. You're kind of stuck in the gap. You're stuck in the middle. Ever had a situation where you know you can't go back to what was working before, but nothing's really working yet? A rock in a hard place. That's the place where Jacob lays down. That's the place where he decides I'm just going to go to sleep. The truth is we've all been there. And if you haven't been there, hold your horses. It's coming. It's coming. We will all experience moments in our life where we feel like we're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And the reason I say that is not to discourage you. I say that because you need to know this today, church. A hard place can become an access to a holy place. Pain is a portal. I was thinking about pain this week, and I was reminded of one of the most famous statements written by C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, he experienced a lot of pain in his own life. He lost his mother at an early age. He was emotionally abandoned by his father. When he was a teenager, he had a respiratory illness that attacked his body. He went on to fight and be wounded in World War I. Later, he had to bury his beloved wife. And out of all the experiences that he had, he wrote a work called The Problem of Pain. And in it, he penned one of his most famous lines. Here it is. Pain 
insist upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Haven't you seen that? You know, people that that would never pray in their own bedroom pray often in hospital rooms. People that would never read the word of God in their free time devour the word of God in a prison cell. I mean, even Jesus said, it's easier to lead a poor man to salvation than to lead a rich man. People that would never show up this morning to pay attention to this sermon lean in intently to the preacher at the funeral. Why? Because hardship often heightens our spiritual senses. Our pain becomes a portal where we can experience the presence of God. One of my favorite verses in all the word of God that speaks about God's heart on pain is in Isaiah 53, verse 1 and 2. But I I read it in the message paraphrase, and I just like the way Eugene Peterson writes this. Listen to it. He says, but now, God's message, the God who made you in the first place, Jacob, the one who got you started, Israel, don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called your name. You're mine. When you're in over your head, I'll be with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be the end. Can I encourage somebody on this Sunday morning, if you feel like you're losing sleep, if you feel like you're stuck in the middle of something, God wants to say to you today, it won't be the end. If you feel like you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be the end. And here's what's amazing about Jacob's portal. He sees angels ascending and descending. Now, there's, it's not a long list of people in the Bible that experienced angels. I mean, we know in Hebrews 12, the Bible says there are thousands upon thousands of angels in assembly. And John the Revelator gives us that picture again around the throne room of God in Revelation. And there's a few people that actually saw an angel, like Mary, Joseph, Zechariah. They had an angelic visitor. There's some that even saw two angels, like the women that went to the tomb and saw them there outside of Jesus' tomb. And the shepherds, when they were in the fields, they saw an angel choir. And then, of course, one of the most significant stories is Elisha's servant at Dothan who saw the angel army of the Lord surrounding the prophet Elisha. But, but Jacob, he sees the portal. He sees the ladder. He sees the angels of God, those that are serving in heaven, those that are serving on the earth. They're ascending and they're descending, and there's many of them. And what amazes me about this moment is that that's not really what impresses Jacob. He doesn't wake up the next morning and say, I saw a stairway to heaven. He doesn't wake up and say, I saw angels ascending and descending. He wakes up and he says, surely the Lord is in this place. He was was taken by the presence and by the voice of the Lord in that moment. And what does God say in that moment? What does God do? 
to encourage Jacob in that place, he blesses him. He blesses him. I want you to look at it with me for the next few moments. Right here in verse 13 through 15, he blesses Jacob. It says, there above it, the ladder, stood the Lord. And he said, I'm with you, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you. I'll watch over you wherever you go. And I'll bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. So last week I showed you in Joshua chapter 1, Four times that God encouraged Joshua to be strong and courageous. I want to show you in these three verses that that God does it for Jacob too. Four different ways. He says, I want you to know that I'm with you. He blesses him. And every time he blesses him, he ministers to one of the felt needs that Jacob is experiencing. Maybe if you're between a rock and a hard place, you can relate to some of the felt needs that Jacob had. But the first blessing is God's presence. God's presence. It's in verse 15. He says to him, I am with you. He tells him, I will not leave you. Now imagine this. Jacob is alone. Like for the first time in his life, alone. I don't know what you picture in your mind when you envision the patriarchs, like just, you know, this small little family of nomadic people out in the desert. But, but listen, Jacob's grandfather, Abraham, was so wealthy. He had so many servants. He had so many people in his household. If you'll remember when he rescued Lot out of, uh, out of the town he was in, he had his own army. So Abraham has a lot of people in his tribe. And the Bible says when his son Isaac took over, he grew in wealth. So it expanded from there. So Jacob is growing up. I mean, he's like the prince. I mean, he's growing up at the very epicenter of society. And maybe for the first time in his life, he's all alone. He's 50 miles into this journey. And he's running from his brother. He's looking for a wife. And God shows up and he says, in that moment, Jacob, I'm with you. Not only am I with you, but I'm never gonna leave you. Aren't you glad that God didn't say to Jacob in that moment, Jacob, stay with me. Jacob, keep up. Because let's be honest, we've all tried that before and failed. The the promise is not You can be with me if you can keep up. The promise is I'm with you. I'm with you. And we call it Jacob's ladder, but come on. Jacob couldn't have ever reached heaven on his own. This is God's ladder. This is God. who I I love the way that the theologian A.W. Pink described this moment. He said, right down to where the fugitive lay, the ladder came. And right up to God himself the ladder reached. If it was up to you or to me to get to God's presence, there's no ladder, there's no ziggurat, there's there's no access portal that we could ever build. But the hope of the gospel is that he comes and he meets you right where you lay in the dust and in the dirt of your own sinfulness. I'm with you, he says. 
and he encourages Jacob. The second way he blesses him is with his provision. With his provision. Look at verse, the latter part of verse 13 says, God said, I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. You'll spread out to the west, the east, the north, the south. Think about this. Jacob's family was very wealthy, obviously. Abraham's wealthy. Isaac's wealthy. But he's left all that. He has nothing that we know of except the animal that he's riding on. In fact, when, when you read ahead in the story, he goes to his uncle Laban's and, and he finds a beautiful bride in his daughter Rachel, but he has to work seven years. Now, when Abraham found a wife for his son Isaac, they just paid a ran- I mean, they just paid the bounty. They, they gave him the wedding dowry. They, they loaded her family with riches. But Jacob has nothing. He's got to work seven years for his bride. And so he's out here in a hard place. Can I just say the obvious today? Being broke is a hard place. Come on, somebody felt that this morning, right? Like being broke is a hard place. And so God promises Jacob in this moment. He says in a hard place, you are rich. That's what he tells him. You're rich. You're wealthy. It's the promise that we have in Christ Jesus. I love the way the Apostle Paul describes our wealth in Ephesians 1.3. He says, praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Come on, it doesn't say he's going to. It doesn't say he might. It says he has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Blessing. Would you just look at somebody sitting next to you and tell them you're rich? You're rich today. Stop acting like a pauper. Start clinging to a promise. Every spiritual blessing is yours in Christ Jesus. Paul said this in Philippians 4:19. And my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Thank God our needs are not met based on our glory. Because I could never polish my halo enough to rub two nickels together. But he meets my needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And God says in a moment of, of desperation and destitute, he says, I'm your provider. I'm your provider. The third way God blesses him is with God's purpose. In the latter part of verse 14, he reminds him, he says, all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Just imagine you're you're the one laying there in the dirt with your head resting on a stone. You're Jacob, and you didn't just leave your family. You're not just alone. You're broke. But you're not just broke and alone. You have destroyed your reputation. Don't you know that Esau made sure everybody knew what kind of guy his brother was? I mean, he's done this for the last time. He's a heel grabber. He's a deceiver. He's always been one. That guy's a joke. If you ever see him, let me know. I'm going to kill him. And Jacob leaves, not just alone, not just broke, but broken. That's a hard place when you feel like you burned all your bridges where maybe the choices you made, the decisions, the actions you've taken, maybe you said too much, you did too much, you've destroyed your leadership credibility. How am I going to ever come back and, and be the son of promise and lead these people? I don't have a leg to stand on. 
I've disqualified myself. And in that moment, God speaks to him about his purpose. God says to him, you're not disqualified. You're not disqualified. And maybe somebody here today needs that same word from the Lord. I know it might look like it. It might look like you've really botched the whole thing that I was going to do with your life. And now it's just too late. You get too much baggage. Too much collateral damage. But God speaks to his purpose in that moment. Not only does he say, Jacob, I can still bless you. He said, I can still bless the nations through you. I'm not through with you. That's what he's telling him. You're not disqualified. And then the fourth way that he blesses Jacob in this moment is with God's plan. He speaks about his presence, his provision, his purpose, and then he reiterates that he has a plan. It's in verse 15, the latter part. He tells him, he said, Jacob, I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised you. You know, being in a hard place can cause you to question God's will for your life. I've been there. Being in a hard place can cause you to wonder, maybe you miscalculated. Maybe you misheard. Maybe you stepped out and you're, you're 10 steps in. You're 50 miles into what you thought was the plan of God, but now you're not so sure. Things aren't coming together the way you thought they would. Jacob's laying there that night. He's got to be wondering, is, is Esau hiding behind a bush? I mean, is he about to come at me with a knife? Am I ever going to find a bride? What if my uncle Laban rejects me? What if, his, what if he has some kids that I'm not even interested in marrying? Like, what, I don't know what my future holds. You been there? God speaks in that moment. He says, Jacob, I have a plan. I have a plan. You might be hearing this and thinking, well, that's, that's awesome for Jacob. I mean, he found, the, he found the ladder. He found the portal. But how do I get that assurance? How do I have that experience? So I'm going to tell you this morning, it matters where you lay your head. It matters where you lay your head. Look at verse 11 again in the story. It says, when he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and he lay down to sleep. Now, putting your head on a rock doesn't sound like a recipe for a good night's sleep. But you can rest if your head's on the rock that is Christ Jesus. Now, now stay with me for a moment because what I'm not trying to do is, is, is some you know, mysticism about the stones here. This very well may have just been an ordinary rock. It could have been as uncomfortable as it sounded. I'm sure it was. But I do think it's, it's interesting that this is the same place that his grandfather, Abraham, chose to build an altar to the Lord. Now, I'm not trying to add to Scripture. I'm just telling you, if I'm writing the movie, if I'm writing the scene, he picks up one of the rocks that used to be in the altar. I mean, maybe it's even got his grandmother's initials etched into it. You know, like that's the rock in my mind. Uh, whether it was just a, an old rock or a rock that had been used before, he was in a place where prayers had been prayed. He was in a place where sacrifices had been made. He was in a place where faith had been expressed to God. And what I am trying to do, I'm not trying to be mystical about what kind of stone you have. Don't go out and find a stone and put your head on it tonight. What I'm saying is that there is a real story that happened in the Bible that God has preserved 
for a spiritual application in our lives. So my question is, what rock are you resting on when you feel alone? When you feel like you're out of your resources, when you feel like disqualified from the plan of God. Psalm 18:2, David said, The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He's my stronghold. I, I want to say to you, as you picture Jacob laying his head on the rock, I want to do today what what Paul the Apostle did in the New Testament, when he looked back at the exodus of God's people, he saw a real thing that happened in the natural, and he made a spiritual application. In 1 Corinthians 10, 1, Paul said, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud, and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food, and they drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. So Paul was saying, you remember the story of when, when Moses struck the rock, and the water flowed out, and all the people satisfied their thirst? Jesus was the rock. So I'm asking you today, in a hard place... What rock are you resting on? It's interesting that this ladder that Jacob saw, it actually comes up in the New Testament. In a story in John chapter 1, I just want to show you this as our worship team comes. There's a reference to this story. In 2,000 years after Jacob's ladder, it shines a light on on what it means to us. It's in John chapter 1. What's happening in John 1 is Jesus is picking his team. He finds Philip and he says, follow me. And then Philip goes and finds Nathaniel. And I want you to look at the conversation. Pick it up in verse 45 of John 1 back there. It says, Philip found Nathaniel and he told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth. Son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there, Nathaniel asked? Come and see, said Philip. What a great evangelistic strategy, huh? Just come, just come and see. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, verse 47 says, He said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Now, now here's the part where Jacob's ladder comes in. Because Jesus, all he did is said, I saw you with the, with the eyes of the spirit. I saw you before Philip even called you, you were sitting under a fig tree, and that's enough for you to declare that I'm the son of God? And so then Jesus responds to Nathanael in verse 50. He said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You'll see greater things than that. And then he added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God 
ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And when Jesus mentions that powerful picture in Genesis 28, when Jesus talks about the angels of God ascending and descending, when he talks about that portal, that access place, he doesn't mention a ladder. He doesn't mention a stairway or a ziggurat or or a rainbow bridge or or a black hole. Jesus says you're going to see them ascending and descending on the Son of God. Jesus is saying in this moment, I am Jacob's ladder. Are you getting this? Jesus is saying, I am the one who comes down from heaven, and I'm the only way that you can get back to God. I'm the bridge. I'm the connection. I'm the one that the angels of God come and and go, and they minister to my people. I'm the one that comes down to the dirt you're lying in and reminds you of my promise, of my provision. I'm the one that reminds you that I've still got a plan for your life. I am the ladder. Today, I I, want to pray for those of you that might feel like you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Those of you that might be hearing the same questions and doubts that Jacob heard. Can't go back. I know that's not working anymore. But this thing hasn't really got going yet. And I don't really know if I'm still in the will of God. I don't really know if he still has a plan. I'm out of resources. The wells run dry. And I'm in a hard place. I don't really know if the provision's coming in. I want to invite you to stand with me all over this room. And we're just going to shift into a season of prayer for a few moments. And I want to encourage you today, whatever season you're in, whatever hard place you might be, whatever you might feel stuck in today, can I encourage you to come to the altar to rest your mind on the rock that is Christ Jesus. To to not just think your way out of a situation but to rest. Isaiah 26 declares this promise to us. He will give perfect peace to those whose minds are stayed on him. If you would just rest your mind on the rock that is Christ Jesus today. I want to show you I want to show you one more verse in the story and then we're going to pray. It's Genesis 28 verse 18. This is after after Jacob's been to this access point. He says in verse 18, Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone that he had placed under his head, and he set it up as a pillar, and he poured oil on top of it. In other words... You can make a hard place into an altar space. This is your Bethel. This is your moment to be able to recognize the presence of God. Not because you fought your way to him, but because he comes to you. It's God's ladder. 
So if you're here today and you say, I need God to meet me, I, I just want to pour my oil out on a hard place. I just want to make an altar before the Lord. I, I want to take this, this stone, this difficulty, this struggle, and I want to make it a place where I acknowledge the presence of God. If that's you today, I want to invite you to just move from where you are and find a place at this altar this morning. Some of our prayer team, they're coming now. We want to just meet you here. We want to put a hand on your shoulder. Come on, just step out from where you are and say, God, I'm coming. I'm coming today to step into a place of access, to step into a place where you can peel back the curtain to another dimension where the angels of God can minister to the saints of God. He invites us into that today. He invites you into that today. And we sang these words earlier as a church. We said, I'm calling on the God of Jacob, whose love endures for generations. I know that you will keep your covenant. Why? Because you are the same God. You are the same God. God, yesterday, today, and forever, He is the same. And I want to challenge you, whether you're coming to this altar or standing right where you are, would you begin to just lift your voice up in faith and build an altar today in the presence of the Lord? Father, we seek your heart today. Come on and lift your voice.